Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. This is Tim from The Worst Idea of All Time, episode five, except not really. I'm a ghost for this episode because I lost my audio. Yeah. This is Guy, whose voice you'll be hearing a lot more of roughly half the runtime of whatever lies in front of you. I I don't think it's been since the first season that we've created a podcast exactly like this. And a lot of people online have been speculating about how best to release it. I would describe this as a choose-your-own-adventure episode. Maybe yeah. in between what I say, you can build your own conversation. A lot of people say listening to podcasts is like listening to your friends have a conversation. A lot of people find listening to podcasts frustrating when the hosts are trying to find a piece of information that you carry with you. Here's a great chance for you to slot yourself right into Timbo's seat on the worst idea of all time and see how be- fucking annoying it is to talk to a real POS like me, Gmod. Be me. Uh, in fact, I'm going to make the audio downloadable. I assume it's all pretty easily downloadable, but real easy to download. So you can uh, take a portion out, mix it up, <laughs> send it into us. Tell us what. Tell us what you've done with the app. Here it is. <laughs> Happy trails, motherfuckers. You have the boy who has what you need in front of you. He's eight years old. Throttle the fucker. Beat the living shit out of him. Like, do something within your physics. He's so little. Hello and welcome along to episode five of this emergency season of the worst idea of all time. Where myself, Guy Montgomery, and my esteemed associate, Tim Bat, continue to watch Home Alone 3, or as I've written in my rather frantic notes from these most recent screening, Home Alone 5. For this is the fifth time we've familiarized ourselves with the plight of Alex Pruitt and co. Not deliberately. Well, that's sort of all I've got. There are notes that follow the, the heading, but I, this is just uh, your, your general welcome where I say, hello, Tim.
Yeah, it looks like Tim is whispering to someone who's just off screen. And uh, it really does not feel like he's engaging with me. But I think this is going to make for a pretty good conversation about a movie that is... No, no. I love the video. The video is why I got into this thing in the first place. Um, Tim, talk to me. Tell me your name. What are we talking? What's for brekkie? Class- that is a classic breakfast. On on a couple of bits of toast. Any accoutrement? Sauerkraut? Hot sauce? Chili flakes? Is that sort of a a top-end delicatessen barbecue sauce, or is that... It's not out of a large sort of plastic squeezy bottle. It's It's a... What about the Tom sauce you were using, though? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing putting Tom sauce on an egg? An egg is not a hash brown, Tim. Absolutely not. Not in this house. You'll be laughed out of the place. Oh, what? Oh, man. Do you know what's... Do you know what's totally overrated? Home fries? It's like when you go out for breakfast in America, they go, oh, we do the best home fries. And then they just give you some fucking chunky little chopped up bits of potato they've left in a frying pan for not quite long enough to taste good. That's the only time you're really going to be introducing tomato sauce to the breakfast plate because you've got to fucking you got to soften up those hard little nuggets of potato that they seem to think are worth charging you an extra three bucks for. No, I've had no, no, I've had meals with Americans. Ah, that is a good that is a good prank. That's a great film. Um, no, I've I've seen Americans eat home fries, you know, and if it is a if it is a prank, they're playing the long game because they are going through they're going through it. They are putting on the ears of someone who's enjoying a slightly cooked diced potato. That's all by the by. It is. I said it, I said as much at the at the start. You even asked if it was a reference to a sci-fi game called Babylon or Show. I don't. I don't know. You know, I'm fucking with a sci-fi book at the moment. The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin. Le Guin? Le Guin. My friend, my friend recommended it. It's fun. If you get past all the fucking nerdy jargon that's bouncing around the walls, it's a really good story. It's really interesting. And there's a really beautiful little essay at the top of the book about the function of sci-fi and what Ursula's using it for. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean... What I'm noticing is we've probably spent about five minutes dancing around the the elephant in the room, which is, uh, of course, John Hughes' seminal masterpiece, Home Alone 3.
Yeah. Uh, I would imagine so. I think, although I, I think the sense of humor, like kids' movies are more squarely pitched at kids and adults now. And so there's a slightly more, a, not adult version of that joke, but th- they sneak in jokes for adults that are beyond just, we were going to swear, but we didn't. But you you know, your 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 mind extends the sentence to its logical endpoint. Um, I did pick up on a few of those in it. And it is, it is not like those cartoonish qualities are kind of, enjoyable uh i imagine that they still populate some kids films but like i I don't know what i'm trying to think of Yeah. What, that they're pitched at adults? Nah, I think kids, kids fucking like the number of times I've had Frozen on in this house recently, I should really be running a podcast with you know, with the, the the person who I watch that most with, which of course is Olive. Um, but no, I thought I think they I think that they're pitched at and they still I, I think they still enjoy them. Oh fuck, I can't remember what I was going to say. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm all I'm all at odds and ends here. I'm at sixes and sevens, Tim. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, if my, if I'm processing at the right speed, I can handle that. I can handle whatever you throw at me. I'm thinking of um, not right now. Well, in many ways, Frozen reminds me of the film Home Alone Three, Tim, which is a movie I'd love to discuss with you. Um, I've got some notes that I've written, unsurprisingly, in chronological order here, but there's a there's a mountain of them, and you know. While I would love to discuss the finer details of Elsa's journey in Frozen, this is neither the time nor the place. I'm going to start at the beginning. Hey. It is. Yeah, you really did. Um, the guy at the start of the movie that they buy the missile chip from, not the not the broker in Hong Kong, but the actual very ordinary guy who drives a car and carries the missile chip Axis Axis technology he's a very garden variety sort of seemingly fit like button down family man fucking meat and two veg for dinner What's his involvement? Like, he seems such an unlikely villain. And at the end of it, even then, it's like he doesn't know the crime that he's committing because at the end of the transaction, he says, uh, can we get this over with? I've got a plane to catch. I'm like, what What plane does this guy have to catch? Where the fuck is this guy going?
so he he's he he knows that he's they're going to be hot in his tail as soon as anyone comes into work next thing in the morning. He's essentially got an eight-hour running start that he's taking by catching this flight. Snowden film. I see, because he's so casual about it. Like he, I, I know that it's just crazy to me the power dynamic at play between in that transaction because he carries the thing that they need, but he's immediately on the back foot. You know, like they're sus towards him. Yeah. They insinuate it's a very murdery vibe and then they just throw a suitcase at him which we aren't told whether or not it has any money in it or not. Like the intensity of that scene, it actually sets up something which uh, is visited a lot during the movie. You might have heard of uh, Chekhov's gun, Tim. I think that there's something at play in this film called uh, Hughes's Fish. And Hughes's Fish is not in reference to the transaction of the missile trip but it's instead in reference to Speedy. Uh, Speedy is Alex's goldfish. We see him introduced uh, through a Rube Goldberg machine, which very elaborately feeds Speedy. And the amount of intensity that's put on Speedy, like the introduction, the fact that they label the fish, they give the the fish a name, would suggest that Speedy's going to be involved in a much heavier way down the line than he is. I mean, Speedy isn't used at all. You know, like Speedy is labeled then forgotten. We deal with Doris the mouse. We deal with that fucking parrot. But Speedy... I don't know. But then, you know, there are so many other instances in this film of Hughes's fish, which is, uh, you know, very... the script. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that that is specifically fish-focused, but Hughes's fish isn't about fish exactly so much as it is introducing a character element or a detail or something that might suggest it's going to be uh, relevant to the film as it goes on and then never addressing it. So in addition to Speedy the Fish... We've also got the introducing to Scarlett Johansson's character. She is cheating on the sole of her shoe. You know, like they're introducing a detail to her character, which sort of suggests that maybe we'll get a bit of development or growth from her. We might see the repercussions of this behavior at school or in the house. But No, neither, because she's also she's writing that she's writing the answers on her shoe while she's still wearing the shoe. Also, I don't know if you've looked outside, Tim. It's snowy. It's snowy everywhere. They're gonna. It's gonna be a lot of salt on the streets. I've seen the walk from their house to the school bus. You're gonna smudge your answers. You'd be a lot smarter to write them down on a bit of paper, fold them up, hide them in your sock, and then halfway through the exam, excuse yourself to use the restroom, take out the piece of paper, look at what you got, rip it into tiny bits, flush it down the toilet, go back in, ace the exam, no fucking questions asked. But we don't even get to explore the fact that Scarlett Johansson is a filthy cheat because this is a classic case of Hughes's fish. What about this, Tim? Yeah, I mean, it's just why? Why did they bother doing it? And then, 
You've got Alex slamming the lid on his thing. They make such a big song and dance about Alex slamming the lid on his thing. Not specifically, I don't think we need to discuss his penis, but it's just like they really hammer this gag from five or six angles. I feel like there'd be opportunity for it to be revisited again. Also, you know, they're introducing profession. That is a question. This guy has got a monster cock. There's no denying it. He's riding around on a wild hog with John Travolta, Martin Lawrence, William H. Macy, and Tim Allen. These four these four grown men have looked at that thing and said, you ride with us, boy. I was pretty proud of myself. Hey, hey, hold on a second. When I couldn't get the two-part question, you were very understanding and comforting. And now, later in the conversation when I'm finding my feet, all of a sudden I realize that you were disappointed and befuddled by my inability to address a two-part question. What's this? Anyway, all that to say that this eight-year-old boy is packing heat and it's to the point that he, he doesn't have control over Obviously, he's got a lot of nerve endings down there because... He's still, um, sorry, I just got a fucking text. God, that drives me nuts. I don't want a text. No, it's not. It's not all right. I don't want to receive a text, all right? I'm trying to talk about the size of this eight-year-old's piece. Well, okay, what about this, Tim? The professional tension between both mom and her boss and dad and his boss. All of this stuff, all of these things that are alluded to, exposition that suggests there might be a story in there that goes beyond just setting up 45 minutes of booby trap scenes. It drives me nuts. All the fun in the booby traps is seeing how they work for the first time. You take that out, you've got nothing left. And if you look at the constituent parts, there are five or six threads that could be picked up later in the piece if John Hughes had any understanding of Hughes's fish, which is if you see a fish in the first scene of the movie, you're fucking introduce the fish you, you you want at least by the end of the first act the fish to have had some the fish has to go off tim we want to see the fish get shot Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. I don't know. I don't know. I I also have the words sham marriage written down here and circled several times. I there's no physical affection or chemistry between them. They're both such upstanding citizens. Apart from the negligence they show towards Alex and the fact that they're raising a cheater and a thug, they by all accounts seem to be you know moralistic and sound of mind. They've both got solid jobs. They've set up a pretty beautiful life for them and their family. And yet, there's something missing. There's a vital component missing from their marriage. And I think that both of them may be, you know, they could be childhood sweethearts, high school sweethearts who commit to one another and then grow apart but decide that as long as the children are living under the roof, they're going to stay there. I don't know if this is specifically a sham marriage by its dictionary definition, but I feel like that there's more on the horizon for these two. Obviously, you can get all the relationship and sex therapy you need with Mrs. Hess, but I don't think that's what's going to fix it. I think Harville and Williams might have a, a little thing going, a little fire burning for Mary Lou. The old heel from the workplace. The woman who she says has no life. Why is she obsessing over her so much? Why does she know all the details of Mary Lou's life? I'll tell you why. Well, she wants to fuck the ever-loving shit out of her, Tim. Nah. Isn't it a TV show? The whole family? That means that Alex would be compromising their cover by... Mm. 
I understand that. He did the job. He was expecting to get paid in cash. He should get to choose how to spend his hard-earned dosh. Mrs. Hess... Yeah, that's true. I think I get the impression this is a kid who does not want for much. If you look at the way that his room's decorated, he's literally everything I think he's ever asked for, he has been given. Uh, but I do want to actually talk about the, the, the car and the gifting of it because this has been driving me nuts the whole time. We have a, a blue box for a mutator. On, the, on, the, on the, the picture of the car on the box is of a blue remote control car. It is fucking insanity to me that there's a red car in there and that no one addresses this. If you were a child and you were given a remote control car that had a red picture of a car on the box and inside of the box it was blue, I mean, you'd probably take it in your stride, would you? Well, were you a particular child? Yeah, nice. That does sound like one of the real perks. <laughs> yeah, you're an, you're a fle- you're a flexible guy, but yeah, I mean, I agree. He does underplay it somewhat. Mrs. Hess, you know, he's he's he just wants to get out of there, really. Yeah. Well, it's sort of you know. It is manners, and it, it's 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 a really Mrs. Hess move, isn't it? Because she's sort of she's got this button-down sort of formal traditional appearance, and she you know she abides all of these manners, but beneath that harsh, cold exterior lies, you know, a freak. Yeah, a hundred percent. Permission granted. Hmm. Of Burton Jernigan. He, be, he, do you know, Burton Jernigan becomes less intelligent as the movie goes on, I think. By the end of it, he's reduced to, to farce. Yeah, he does. But all of his behaviours before that suggest someone who's quite keyed into the operation and knows exactly what they're doing and what they're looking for. Uh, oh, Mr. Bepre. He's the he is he's the odd one out. He certainly doesn't fit the bill, and he's like the only one who, from the outset, betrays their competence. Like everyone else, projects an air of ability, and he's sort of I think he's probably within the four. He's just like the muscle. He's the brawn. He does. He's meant to be. I think he's meant to do all the bum jobs. 
But yeah, I mean, I, to- I totally agree. He's a myth. The guy's a mess and he's a lot of fun. Can I, can I say though, Alex Pruitt, uh, Alex Dillon's really brought it for me this time. That, that kid, he's a phenom. Yeah, I think he's a really good actor. I know that he's got big shoes to fill and I've probably been down on him before, but if you if you can get past measuring him against Macaulay Culkin in what was a career-defining performance, he, he really fulfills the job of being like a, a cute, smart eight-year-old boy. Mm. Yeah. I reckon that was in the audition. I reckon that was that was probably something that helped push him over the edge. I've read that this was a hotly contested part and there was another kid who was going for it. Uh who he I can't remember his name who got beaten out. Um Well, no, because if a dog catches the car, then that car is the dog's. You'd be the coolest dog on the block. Yeah, yeah. If the dog catches the car, the dog owns the car. Nah. I reckon he never lived that down. I reckon he would have been pretty fucking furious. I reckon he probably paces around just, you know, cussing out Alex D. Linz. He's got a real vendetta against him. Um, yeah, I think that probably ruined his life. Alex D. Linz, by all accounts, is probably doing fine. What do you reckon he got paid for this film? Like 800000 Imagine getting paid $800,000 to do anything. That's crazy. Yeah. Suspicion. Fifty <laughs> percent of what? My shining light was um Unger's delivery on he he picks up the phone and overhears Alex talking to his mum and saying, everything's under control. I'm just playing checkers with Mrs. Hess. And even though we know that he's he's at, at, in, at danger, he's at risk. And uh, Mr. Unger, no, Mr. Prey, sorry, he hangs up the phone afterwards and he says, what a brave little fellow. And delivery, performance, uh, like the respect, the respect that it communicates from uh, Mr. Beaupre to Alex, I, I really enjoy. And then later on, though, I get I get frustrated at Mr. Beaupre. When Alex is going to save Mrs. Hess from freezing to death in the garage with the, the door open and he's hiding in the corner and he comes out and he's like, where's the chip? And he points a gun at him and Alex goes, that gun doesn't belong to you either. I'm like, okay, maybe the gun is not the gun he thinks it is. But you're a grown man who is wanted by the FBI. They've been on your tail for seven years. You have the boy who has what you need in front of you. He's eight years old. Throttle the fucker. Beat the living shit out of him. Like, do something within your physics. He's so little. He's only eight. He's so light. Don't... Absolutely. It's, um... Just have at him, you know? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the criteria that we're going to be setting for this movie by the end of this journey, Tim, I imagine will be very challenging for the movie to fulfill. Tim, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I just want to say that while you might associate these two parts of the movie as being close together, they actually represent a 40 to 45-minute chunk of time passing. Because it's all one section of movie, which is booby traps in the house, it feels like it's one movement. But every time they get to it, I'm like, oh, we must be close. And then I check the what the time lapse, and I'm like, 45 minutes. 45 minutes of a bunch of shit I know is about to happen. Mm. This I will, I, I will give it. To, it's also in Chicago. Yeah, I will give it to the movie though. A lot of the exp, exposition shots and a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, I did long, and this might just be uh, representative of the situation. I did long for a wintry stroll through suburban Chicago. I wanted to rug up really warm, some nice woolen socks and maybe some very grippy boots and just take a fucking evening stroll for a couple of hours. Real aimless. It would have been it would have been funny. Also, and again, you know, we're veering into perilous territory here. But it would be funny if the physical maladies that befall the crooks and have a cartoonish impact had very real consequences for anyone who isn't one of the four thieves. And so, while these pranks are quite playful and you know inconsequential for the the crooks, if any of that shit happens to a person who exists in the real world, they fucking die. yeah he's got so many that's the thing like there'd be so many booby traps that went unused what are the chances you set up x amount of booby traps and that is exactly like you know you understand the innards of your house so clearly that the crooks follow exactly the blueprint you imagined for them i'm imagining there's five to ten other deadly booby traps that are going to clear out his family (laughs) well i wouldn't Mm. Um, Tim, I'm actually going to have to... Okay. Yeah, and he puts it... But he puts it next to a car. Like, so this is... This is, I, I actually think this is kind of clever from an idiot, from someone who we understand to be fucking dense. 
He's created the appearance because this is a, a cul-de-sac or a, non, a no-exit street. He's created the appearance of a very long driveway. It fools it fools the um the snow moving truck. It it fools one member of. It fools it fools a council member. We see a shot of a um a snow plow or whatever plowing snow who completely misses a usual turn off because there's a car in a post box where they would usually turn down a street that they presumably have driven past and down hundreds of times before. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's an accurate way to look at it, Tim. And like right now, I have to go away to do a voiceover for a, a car company, and um, all going well. I can kick them to the curb and just record conversations with you of varying quality. Uh, it's been a blast. I hope everyone's looking after themselves. I am not looking forward to seeing this movie again, although that was much less painful than Watch 4. So if you were to graph the experience... I'd say we just saw a little uptick in experience. And also, I've got a conspiracy theory to discuss with you that we didn't get to today, Tim. Um, Well, what I've done is I've drawn a line between Alex and Brady. Can rats and mice procreate? Now we're fucking talking. So a mule is the product of a donkey and a horse, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, a donkey and they that seem, is absolutely punching. They, <laughs> yeah, how fucking well is that donkey doing? <laughs>